Habakkuk chapter 2. Have you ever looked around the world with its injustices and violence and asked the question, why doesn't God do something? Friday, I stopped by my sister Terry's house, and she had a friend that she used to work with who had grown up in Afghanistan. The things that that person has experienced in this world, you and I have no idea. But sometimes we look around the world around us and we say, there's a lot of things that aren't fair. It doesn't make sense. Why doesn't God intervene in my situation? Why doesn't God intervene and meet my need? Why do I have to wait? There's times where it looks like, if we look at the picture, it looks like the wicked are prospering and the righteous are suffering. There's certain times that if we're honest, it feels like we are being overlooked and everybody else's needs are being met. Godly people pray, but at times it feels like their prayers make little impact. This is the problem faced and solved in the book of Habakkuk. I want to begin with God's answer to Habakkuk's question and work our way back to explain the situation that he was facing. Sometimes we get so bogged down in the details of our situation that we pay no attention to God's answer. I want to say that again because I don't know if you quite heard me. Because this is a very profound, it's a very profound truth. Sometimes we get so bogged down with our situation and our circumstances and the next thing that comes up against us that we forget what God has said. Somehow what God has said, his answer kind of goes out the window And we say, well, here's another situation that I'm facing. Here's another thing that rises up. We rehash the details of our situation again and again while we ignore God's response to us. Habakkuk 2.1 says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he'll say to me and what answer I'm to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so the herald may run with it. Here's the verse I want you to focus in. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. The enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. I like to focus on verse 3. The Good News Translation puts it this way. It says, put it in writing because it is not yet time for it to come true. But the time is coming quickly. And what I show you will come true. It may seem slow in coming, but wait for it. For it will certainly take place. And it will not be delayed. Look to the person next to you and say, wait for it. I could sit down right now because you've already heard all that you needed to hear. Wait for it. That's God's word to you today. Just wait for it. It's coming. It won't be long, but you have to wait for it. 
Look to the person next to you and say, I think God might be talking to you. I don't know exactly how that portion of Scripture applies to your life. But for someone in this room, that's God's answer to you. He said that to you again and again. And you get mad and you get frustrated and you think he didn't say anything. But he already spoke to you. He's told you what he's going to do. And then he simply says, wait for it. Listen to me. God's already spoken to some of you. He's told you things. There's things that he's placed upon your heart. There's things that he's asked of you. There's things that you've asked him about. He's responded to you. And then with that phrase of his response to you, he tells you to wait for it. And we think he hasn't said anything. We forget that he has spoken to us. That's God's word to us today. Let me give you a little bit of background on our text. Let's go back to Habakkuk's question. His question is, in essence, why doesn't God say or do something? Have you ever prayed about things for a while and it feels like God didn't do anything about it or say anything about it? Have you worked towards goals and you've been struggling towards them and you know that's what God asked you to do? You know that's the way God told you to walk in and yet it still hasn't come to fruition. So you begin to question and we begin to doubt the things that God has said. And unfortunately, sometimes we begin to doubt God himself. Usually the question is this, not that he's not God, but maybe he doesn't care. Or even worse than that, maybe I can't really hear from him. If there's any lie the enemy wants to put into your heart and into your mind is that you cannot hear from God, that there's something defective about you, that you don't really know God's will. My friend, the Bible says that my sheep know my voice. You know his voice. You know his word. He has spoken promises to you. He's told you things. You know it in your heart. But because of the delay, because of the wait, it becomes frustrating. And so the enemy sows seeds of doubt in our hearts and our minds. And we're thinking, well, maybe God doesn't care. Maybe I can't hear. Maybe I was just mistaken. In our portion of scripture here in Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 2, it says, here's his thing. How long, Lord... Must I call for help, but you do not listen? Well, that's a lie. God hears every single one of your prayers. How long must I call for help, but you not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. It's never fair. It's never just. The wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Now, the whole nation was suffering because of the evil and the corruption of the people and the leaders. Yet God seemed to be doing nothing about it. Along with these internal problems was a threat from the Babylonian Empire. God gave the prophet an answer in verse 5. God says, look at the nations and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if it were told. I'm raising up the Babylonians, 
that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. Now God was working behind the scenes and he did not even recognize it. We sang a song about God being a way maker, a miracle worker. That he's working in ways that we don't recognize at times. And that he's working on our behalf and he's moving on our behalf. And yet there's times in which we don't even recognize that God is at work. So Habakkuk is crying out to God about the injustice. All of the things that are unfair in this world. The sin that's prevailing. And God says, well, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians to discipline the people. I'm going to address this issue. And that creates a new problem for Habakkuk. He could not understand how a holy God could use a wicked nation to punish his own chosen people, the Jews. It's true. And and in essence, Habakkuk says, you know, it's true we've sinned and we deserve chastening. But the Babylonians are far more wicked than we are. If anyone deserves punishment, it's them. Wait a minute, God, you're answering this prayer, but you're answering it in a way that I don't really understand or like. Can a holy God sit and watch his own people being caught? And you can read it when you go home, I encourage you to. Can a holy God sit and watch his own people being caught like fish in a net or trampled like insects? And Habakkuk's mentality is that when that happens, this ungodly nation will boast that our gods have given us the victory. Jehovah is not the true God. Now I want to say this to you. There's nothing wrong with you and I wrestling with the problems of life and seeking to understand them. Part of being human is this trying to understand what is going on. And so many times in Scripture, you hear the cries of the writer's hearts as they're trying to grasp the problems of this life, and to make sense of it all. Sometimes it seems as though God does not care. Sometimes it seems that he has forgotten his promises and that he's actually helping the heathen instead of taking matters into his own hands. And and I want you to notice this. When it doesn't make sense, because if you haven't had that experience yet, I'm going to make you a promise. In your faith walk with God, at some point along the way, you are going to encounter an experience. You're going to encounter a time in which it does not make sense. I promise you, your faith will be tested. Your faith will be tested. Whenever you go through an experience, something happens in your life where you begin to question. And in your human mind, it's so hard to wrap our mind around, God, what is going on? I don't understand it. In those times for a lot of us, we take matters into our own hands. God's not working, so I'll do it. Abram did that. God made him a promise. He said, I'm going to give you a son. And God said, but I want you to wait for it. And Abram couldn't wait. So many times we take issues or we take matters into our own hands. Habakkuk did not do that. Other times, whenever it doesn't seem that God is answering us, or we say, God, I've been faithful to you, I followed you, and look what's happening in my family, look what's happening on my job, look what's happening in my church, look what's happening in, and you fill in the blank. 
at times that frustrates us, and so we begin to disobey God. We throw up our hands. Sometimes we take matters into our own hands. Sometimes I've seen it and you've seen it where people walk away from the Lord because this doesn't work. I thought if I follow God, I thought it would go this way. And because it doesn't, sometimes people just out and out disobey or turn from God. Habakkuk went to his watchtower to pray. He went to his watchtower to meditate. He went there to wait upon the Lord. Remember David, whenever the one psalm, he said, my foot almost slipped. I almost fell whenever I saw the prosperity of the wicked. But what does he do? He goes into the temple. He inquires of the Lord. And so in those times, instead of doing that, that's what Habakkuk did. He inquired of the Lord. He knew that God heard his complaint And that he would send an answer soon. And God did answer. God had a plan and he had a schedule. But can I tell you that God's plan and his schedule may not always be your plan and your schedule. But his plan and his schedule is much better than ours. You will not understand it on this side. But many times down the road you start to understand that's why you were doing it God. That's why you made me wait. I wasn't ready for what you were going to entrust me with. I wasn't ready for what you were going to do. But God has a plan and he has a schedule. God's not behind time. He's not late. He may be late for your schedule, but God has a greater plan and a greater schedule. God said it will all work out in due time. When it does come, it'll come quickly. And I need you to hear that. How many of you have had those experiences where you wait for God and you wait for God and you wait for God and in a moment he does something for you and when he answers, it comes quickly. You think it's going to take forever to come to pass, but God brings us into a situation and he responds quickly. Any of you ever been there or am I preaching to myself? You've been in those experiences He's going to do it quickly. When the answer comes, it'll be quickly. So don't become impatient. Then God gave Habakkuk three awesome promises to encourage and strengthen him during these difficult days. The first one is found in verse 4 of chapter 2. It says, see, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. The just shall live by faith. This is one of the most important verses in the entire Bible. It forms a text for three New Testament books. Romans, Galatians, and Hebrews. Verse 4 describes two kinds of people. Those who are puffed up because they trust in themselves. And those who are saved and humble because they trust in the Lord. We know that the Bible says that God, what does he do with the proud? He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand so that in due time, he will lift you up. There again, it's that idea of you got to wait. I'm sorry. And if you get mad whenever you got to wait, what's that say? 
I'd say God is still needs to do a work inside of you. Love is what? Very first thing. Sorry, dude. Very first fruit of the Spirit. The very first one. It's not the second. It's not the third. It's not number seven. It's not number eight. It says that love is patient. And so, friend, God is working on your behalf, but he wants to develop that patience within us. We know that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So the just shall live by faith. They're going to trust in him. They're going to depend on him. They're not going to turn from him. The second one, he says that the earth will be filled with God's glory. In chapter 2, verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. For the average onlooker in Habakkuk's day, it did not seem that the earth was filled with God's glory. Can I suggest this to you? Sometimes it's our perspective. Sometimes it's what you're looking at. And may I encourage you today to start getting your eyes. Peter began to sink when he took his eyes off of Jesus. And you and I begin to sink in fear and doubt and unbelief when we take our eyes off of our risen Lord. Don't take your eyes off Jesus, brother. You keep your eyes on him. You keep your focus upon him. The earth in Habakkuk's day didn't seem like it was filled with much glory. You didn't have to look far to see rebellion Pride, greed, arrogance, violence, drunkenness, immorality, and perversions. Those were sins that were polluting their nation that day. And those are the same sins that pollute our nation today. God hates those sins just as much today as he did back in Habakkuk's day. But the promise still stands. God's glory will fill the earth. For Jesus shall return. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to put down all sin. And he's going to establish his righteousness. Now here's the reality. We know the end has already been established. It's like watching a rerun of a football game. You know what I mean? Oh, look, they're ahead. Well, big deal, dude, just when you fast forward to the end, I see that they lost. Okay. Oh, yes, yes. You know, you can stand and jump and cheer all that you want for your team. But in the end, they already lost. So all your dancing and shouting and taunting your friends, it doesn't matter. They've already lost. Jesus has already won the victory. He's already triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. We're in the midst of it going back and forth, but we know that he is victorious. So if you're going to bet, put your money on Jesus. Now, we don't gamble here at Lighthouse. We're not promoting that. But if you're going to put your money, you put it on Jesus because he's already the victor. He says that every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So his glory is going to fill the whole earth. The third promise is in verse 20. Habakkuk 2.20 says, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. The Lord is in his holy temple. Well, you're waiting. 
You're waiting for God to answer that prayer. You're waiting for your breakthrough. You're waiting for God's provision that he's promised you. You're waiting for that deliverance. Well, listen, God is still in his temple. He is still on his throne. Your circumstance might be difficult for this moment, but because God is still on his throne, he's still in his temple. He's not lost his authority. He's not given up his rights. Isaiah said, I see the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple with glory. We don't need to worry or doubt, for God is ruling and God is overruling. The affairs of nations. Habakkuk thought that God was unconcerned and uninterested in the problems of life. But he found out that God was very much concerned. And that he was working out his plans. And here's what you got to hear. God's working out his plans and his purposes. But he's doing it in his time. Look to the person next to you and say, that's the issue right there. It's not that God heard you. It's not is God going to answer you. It's not is God going to provide for you. But it's an issue of his timing. The one thing that when I started out my message, I said at the beginning, I talked about we have to wait. Part of growing up is learning to wait. Your two-year-old, when you tell them no, what do they say? Now, yeah, they want it now. Now, now, they want it right now. When you say no to a two-year-old, you understand that you have to teach them and train them that, okay, honey, okay, buddy, we got to wait a little bit. It's just got to be a minute or two. And we expect them to a degree that they're going to have a hard time with that, and we understand that they're babies. But if you got your 18-year-old that throws himself on the floor and whines and has a fit, you stink as a parent. I'm just telling you. Isn't it the truth? You stink. You failed at your job. I don't know why we can't just be honest with people. Can we be honest with you? If your 18-year-old throws himself on the floor and cries and throws a fit and pouts, when you say no to them, you failed. You did lousy. You're bad. You stunk as a parent. You need to start telling them, hey, you're 18 years old. Act like a man. You're not a baby anymore. Act like a man. Spiritually, there's something that happens Whenever God says no to us or he says wait to us, when you're spiritually immature, you can't handle that. I don't want to wait. It's up here. You gave so-and-so, why can't I? A good parent teaches their children that sometimes you have to delay gratification. Sorry, you have to wait a little while, bud. You teach them that. You don't make a two-year-old wait as long as you maybe have to teach a 22-year-old to wait. We understand that. Some parents, when their kid just whines, the more they whine, the more they just kind of give in to them. Oh, well, I don't want you to whine. So you're just on my nerves. So just do anything you want. There again, you stink as a parent if you do that. All right, look to the person next to you. Say, I know he's not talking about you. We have a good heavenly father. And he's looking out for our best. He's faithful. He can be depended upon. He knows what I need before I ever even ask. He says that he'll supply 
all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He has thoughts for me. He's got plans for me that are so vast that you can't, if you can number the sands on the seashore, you could number God's thoughts about you as an individual. But you can't number God's thoughts. They're innumerable. The plans and the thoughts that he has for you. So why do you accuse him whenever he says to you to wait for a moment? Why do you accuse him of being a bad father? Why do we accuse him of not caring? Why do we accuse him of being unconcerned? We don't need to worry or doubt because God is ruling and reigning. Habakkuk thought God was uninterested in the problems of life, but he discovered that God was very concerned and that he was working out his plan in his own way and in his own time. That's why the just live by faith. Do you see that? God's at work. It's a delay. I don't have to worry about it because my father knows what I need. My father cares about me. The Bible says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Friends, if we look at ourselves and our circumstances, if that's where our focus is, you'll become discouraged. At times you'll quit. But if we look up to God by faith, And ahead to the glorious return of his son, Jesus Christ. Then we're encouraged and we're enabled to go on and walk in victory because we know that he is working on our behalf. Wait for it. That's God's word for you today. Wait for it. He's promised you some things. He's put things on your heart. There's times that you've been praying about things and there's things that he said he's going to do you're under pressure you got a lot of stress some of you but God's coming and when he answers you you hear me when he provides for you it's going to be quick when he delivers you it's going to be quick when he makes a way it's going to be quick and you're going to be astonished but what he says to you is wait for it father I pray today I pray for my friends. I pray that faith would arise in their heart. I pray for the vision. The word says that the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks to an end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. For it will certainly come and will not delay. I pray for answered prayers. I pray for the situations and the circumstances my friends are in. I pray that they would live by faith, that they would know that God's for them, he's not against them, that they would know that God is on their side. I pray that they would be reminded today, Lord, that they would live by faith, that they would walk by faith. I pray that they would be reminded that the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. The enemy would try to get our eyes on our circumstances so that we don't see the glory of the Lord. But I thank you, Lord, that the whole earth is filled with your glory. And Lord, I thank you that you're still on your throne. You build up and you tear down. At a spoken word from you, the entire universe came into order. So God, all you have to do is speak the word. All you have to do is speak the word. And my situations and circumstances will be altered. My needs will be met. Deliverance will come. Breakthrough will come. 
And I praise you, Father, that as you tell us to wait, we are going to be found faithful, waiting with expectation, with our jackets on, ready to roll, because we know, Lord, that your answers are coming quickly to us. And we give you praise. And we determine in our hearts that, God, I'm going to wait. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to wait for your breakthrough. I'm going to wait for your deliverance. I'm going to wait for you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.